Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Check out all of our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. We just had an episode uh, already getting lots of lots of good feedback on it, talking about where things are at with Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan football team. It was a long episode, but we tried to cover all the bases. Uh, sorry, we, there were a couple questions that we got after we were done recording. Apologies to those, but we answered every question. I think there were like 10 uh, that we saw before that we started recording. So I tried to cover all the bases and, and things that you guys are wondering. Felt like a pretty candid conversation, uh, in my opinion. I mean, hope hopefully you guys felt the same. But regardless, we have that podcast. We have a basketball podcast with Sam Webb and Tim McCormick. Uh, Sam, Steve, Josh, Bryce, the whole gang uh, does the weekly recruiting podcast as well. If that's more your scene. And if you like football, basketball, and recruiting as it pertains to Michigan, well, then we have like five episodes for you. So your work commute while you're doing chores, however you want to listen, uh, pretty easy. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to it so you can get it more easily. Uh, Throw us a rating. Love those. Anyway, this episode, preview episode, Michigan hosting Wisconsin. Some of the topics that we're going to discuss, um, players to watch, what Michigan should be worried about, what Michigan can feel good about. I have a hunch that blank got some over-unders final prediction before we get to that. Uh, well, something to consider, I guess we don't even have all the answers. We just saw that, um, our, our 24 seven sports team is reporting Graham Mertz, not definitely playing on Saturday. And they are obviously, at least as far as I can tell, already missing Jack Cohn. Uh, Chase Wolf is another quarterback who got COVID-19. Graham Mertz did as well. Steve, um, what is your perception, having kind of read, having kind of put feelers out there? I mean, do you have any sense for who's playing quarterback for Wisconsin on Saturday? And how significant is that? Uh, it did not sound good for Graham Mertz, Uh I think his status has kind of always been up in the air. The assumption was that Wolf would be the next guy. I, in seeing what uh, Evan Flood, who does a great job on our our Wisconsin affiliate, and seeing what he's written, just seeing that it sounds like Wisconsin would be relatively comfortable with Chase Wolf, which again, this is still your third string quarterback though, with Jack Cohn, who actually was the incumbent, and only uh, Mertz only got the the start against Illinois because Cone hurt himself. And then Mertz turns in an all world performance to kind of probably take that job. I it's, it's obviously to me, it's a huge deal. If Graham Mertz doesn't play I, I and, and in a funny way, I think it actually puts a world more of pressure on Michigan to, to, to win this game after you know, on a two game mm-hmm. slide, the fans are the blood is in the water. You know, the sharks are circling. Michigan needs to get a big win. I think if you're taking on Wisconsin's third or fourth string quarterback and you can't pull that out in Ann Arbor, then I think, you know, I said before we got on, if Danny Vandenboom ends up being the starter for Wisconsin, he's their fourth string quarterback. I I think Michigan has to win that game. If they do not win that game, then, then I think a lot of the – really negative stuff we discussed in yesterday's pod, I think becomes a much more real. Yeah. We know Wisconsin's talented, man. They got a good offensive line. They got a couple of good receivers. I really like Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson, really good tight end, but you're talking about a fourth string quarterback, you know? So I think it's, it's huge. Now again, again, I still think the pressure's on Michigan. I really do. Wisconsin. I, I don't, with their two cancellations, I don't think, like their national aspirations 
are probably at least probably minimal at this point, right? I mean, so just technically, as long as they don't have another cancellation, they can play in the Big Ten title game. Okay. And so I think Wisconsin, you know, I know there's been talk about, oh, could two teams from the Big Ten make it? I I think in if that's the discussion, then you're right. But I think I think they have a very good shot of making it to the Big Ten title game. And they I think since before the season began, that's what this was about for Wisconsin. Sure. If they can beat Ohio State, nobody is telling them they can't make the playoffs. True. There's not a person out there who would say, nope, they're not one of the best four. Okay. So, so but right. as far as a second Big Ten team making it, yeah, a six and O record with a double digit loss to Ohio State, I think that'd be hard to six and one. I don't think that would float by, especially since Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama all seem to be kind of cruising. Right. Um, Florida. So, yeah, true. Um, but either to me, either way, in a weird way, it just, I don't know, I just feel like the pressure, especially again, I don't know if Mertz plays, maybe there's an equal amount of pressure. If, if Wisconsin's still going to be considered a national contender, I just, you know, but if, if Mertz can't go, whether it's I, honestly, even if it's Wolf or Vanden Boom, I mean, you're talking, again, you're talking third, fourth string quarterbacks here. Michigan's at a at- program that, now, Mertz was a good recruit. Yes, very good recruit. It's, this is not a pass-happy uh, recruited program. They might be pass-happy this season. We'll talk about that in a moment. But this is not supposed to be a team that's, you know, it's not Ohio State where they've got Joe Burrow as their third-string quarterback. Right. Yeah, this, no. is, this is not that. Right. So, you know, I think the lower down the, <laughs> the, lower down the ladder – Wisconsin has to go at quarterback. I think the pressure increases exponentially for Michigan while knowing their pressure is already there. It's not as if this is a no pressure game for Michigan. This is a huge pressure game for Michigan, but if the lower they go down the ladder at quarterback, I think the, the, the need for them to win this game just amplifies to massive levels. I agree. I, I agree. Um, as far as the loss of Mertz, it's it's very significant. Um, they didn't run the ball especially well against Illinois for how dominant they looked as a team. I mean, I think they only had one guy average more than four yards per carry. Uh, Garrett Groshek was their leading rusher with 70 yards. Certainly not a dig. I mean, they didn't have to really run, but that was, that was a Graham Mertz game. There was, if you had watched that game and, just kind of in passing, you know, hanging out with your friends or whatever, you would have known who one player on the team was. Maybe Jake Ferguson because he had three touchdowns, but he was, Mertz was 20 for 21, 248 yards, five touchdowns, uh, four of which I believe came in the first half. And so, yeah, very few teams have great fourth string quarterbacks. Clemson doesn't even have a fourth string quarterback that is on scholarship. Uh, Michigan's would be uh, Ren Hefley, probably the walk-on. And so, and most schools are going to be like that. I think Michigan state might have four scholarship QBs, but it's just, um, that is not who Wisconsin went into the off season saying, this is who we're taking to Ann Arbor to, to win us a game. So to me, I think it's very significant. I don't, I don't know if it completely flips the script in terms of Wisconsin being heavily favored versus Michigan being heavily favored. Uh, definitely. I agree with you. Not would be an in, inexcusable game for Michigan to not do its part defensively in win, lose. I mean, it was kind of, I, I love Wisconsin's defense, but yeah, Mertz. I mean, without Mertz, they don't have an offense that I think is high powered enough to put up, 30 plus points and in which case if they did put up 30 plus points it would be to the blame of Michigan's defense 100 percent um anyway just wanted to get that out there plus one thing to keep in mind if Mertz is still potentially out there could be other players out as well um hopefully by the time this podcast airs there aren't a whole bunch that we weren't able to mention but but there could be some starters missing as well 
Anyway, Steve, let's get into our traditional format. A player to watch on Michigan, either someone you think needs to have a big game, you think can have a big game, uh, someone you're keeping a slightly closer eye on on offense and defense. Offensively, probably going to go. I, you know, it's really unfortunate for Michigan that the running back rotation looked like it's gone from like a huge positive for them heading into the season to now like one of those like, is this really maybe the way they should be doing it type mm-hmm. things? Um, I, I'm interested to see what Zach Charbonnet does on Saturday because. I think it's been believed that he was going to be their number one guy this year. And my opinion, I don't think he's been put in a favorable position. I feel like he's thrown out there on like obvious running downs or downs that Michigan has already shown a tendency to want to run the ball in, you know, and I don't, but I also, he just hasn't been as effective as definitely as we thought he would be, you know, coming off of the way he ended last year against Alabama in particular, and like you said, he had the one really good run against Minnesota, but that's that's been about it. Um, you know, I think you'd argue that their best backs so far have been Haskins and Corum. You know, yes, far, I agree. Yeah, right. And so, you know, that's why I'm, I'm really interested to see if, you know, does Michigan say, you know, we're going to go with our number one guy, or do they? Get, or is this? Could it be a situation where we're actually seeing Haskins and Corum kind of take that one-two punch and kind of and kind of run with it? Because I, I got to say, you know, I don't think there's any way right now that you can even, that you can fully keep Corum off the field. And I'm not saying you, that there is a way you can keep Haskins off the field necessarily either, but Corum just has a different home run threat type dynamic and a guy you can throw the ball to where I think mm-hmm. they're going to find ways to keep him on the field either way. Absolutely. Really may come down more to, you know, is Haskins like even maybe breaking out a little bit further or is, or are they just not using Charbonnet? Are they not giving Charbonnet enough carries to kind of get him going is maybe remember we talked about that before the season was how they were going to manage. This was going to be interesting because you know, are all four of these guys, the type of guys who don't really need to get into like a rhythm or need like a few carries to get going. Are they guys who they could just, you know, rotate in and they're just going to pick right up where they left off. And so far, at least from, from my standpoint, now, granted, he really hasn't gotten that many opportunities, but Charbonnet, not a guy that looks like somebody who is, you know, looks like a guy that needs a few carries to get going, maybe to get him the ball, get, let him get a feel for things and, and let him, you know, kind of run wild after that or whatever. But uh, so he's kind of, he's the guy I'm really interested to see. I mean, he's healthier than he has been. He's healthier than he was last year. That's a fact, but he hasn't been nearly as effective. And yeah, 10 carries 77 yards. And I would caveat by saying 70, 70 of them came on one carry. So what's that nine carries for seven yards? Yeah, that is not, you know, and again, I think I think we'd agree. You know, Michigan's offensive line so far in the run game has been inconsistent, maybe at best in the run game. Uh, yeah, but- I don't, I don't. Um, I'm not overly impressed, especially the interior. Yeah, it hasn't. In, they the haven't been. An, they haven't been an asset. Let's say, in as far as the yeah. running game goes, they have not been creating many opportunities for these guys. But as I said you know, Haskins and Coram have made more out of the opportunities they've been afforded. So, you know, I think kind of an important game for Charbonnet is see if this is, if he's a guy that's going to be a number one or number two back here, or if this is going to be, you know, if this is going to continue to be, you know, a Haskins and Coram type deal, because eventually, and I, you know, we haven't even really mentioned Chris Evans, but again, I thought, I just, I thought Evans was pretty ineffective on Saturday as well um, against Indiana. So, you know, I don't know. Like I said, this rotation has gone from like, because I still fully believe talent wise, Michigan's running back room is as good as anybody from top to bottom in the conference. It's just, they haven't shown it yet. And they're not, like I said, they're not getting the help up front, but at some points, these guys have to start producing a little bit more with Charbonnet kind of being the guy where I'm like, okay, like he's better than how he's played so far. 
let's see a little bit more. And I, I think maybe Saturday could be an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I'm gonna go on the on the offensive side. I, I actually I picked Charbonnet last week, so I'm not allowed to pick him again. Um, but I was thinking somebody somebody has to step up. If Michigan's gonna be like better than Rutgers this year, they need a running back. Someone has to emerge. I I, I still think maybe it's time to I think I said this Sunday, uh maybe it's time to let Corum do his thing. You know, give him a whole drive where it's whether he's passing, blocking, running. Just let him sink or swim. You know, let him show if he's ready or not. Because I, I really, I test. He looks like he just moves in a slightly faster gear than the other running backs. And and you mentioned, I mean, he's already shown himself as a receiving threat. But I'm going to go with a player who I think could be used in the run game more, but definitely could be used more in the receiving game, is Giles Jackson. Uh, you know, he's someone, he has 10 catches, 81 yards this season certainly, I mean, Michigan likes to spread the ball around, but that's a little bit of an underwhelming total through three games, given that uh, Michigan, I mean, the way Josh Gaddis talks about Giles Jackson, you know, you would almost think he, he thinks Jackson's ready to be, or he's going to end up being drafted in, in a year or two, um, or I guess two or three years, I should say. And so, and he's got, um, he's very quick. He's, um, gets up to full speed really quickly, very shifty. Long speed is pretty pretty darn good as well. Um, I feel like this could be a game where, I mean, Wisconsin love their defense. They, they fill gaps. They have linebackers that um, really don't get lost too much. I don't know if it is the speediest defense. I don't, I mean, even, even I think Michigan State had some guys who just, I know they run four fours. I don't know. I don't know if Wisconsin has quite as many of those types of players. And so could this be a game where, you know, and I, I don't think Wisconsin, I'm sure they're looking at Ronnie Bell. I'm sure they're looking at Roman Wilson. Does Giles Jackson kind of sneak up? Plus, Steve, I'm sure you're in agreement with this. He's definitely capable of more. I mean, last season he started to emerge as a true big play threat, whether it's in the backfield, in a screen pass, downfield I, I wonder if this is a game where he kind of puts his feet in the in the turf a little bit and says time to produce time to you know find a way to get open find a way to get the ball in my hands and I got to think Michigan scrambling more so on defense than on offense but I got to think they're looking and thinking okay who can make plays for us well Bell started to make plays last Saturday it was a little bit too late you know true and, and I think you know, maybe Bell can be kind of the tone setter, but I agree that Jackson, he's been like weirdly productive, but not in the way, or maybe not to the level that we anticipated he could be. Um, I don't have they used him the way they used him last year at all yet, though, as far as like no end arounds or anything. Has he gotten? Any uh, I think he's gotten end arounds. I think they got sniffed out. I think Minnesota knew they were coming. Um, Michigan, man, they. <laughs> They got to stop just doing end arounds with all their quick players. I feel like teams are going to be able to figure that out. I mean, Eddie McDoom, Jabril Pepper, I guess Peppers didn't do end arounds, but you know, it seems like they, they have plays that they like and they're just convinced that they're going to work. Um, even as teams show that they're ready for it, but yeah, no, they haven't used Jackson quite as aggressively. I don't think. Yeah. So, you know, again, part of it comes down to, can that guy be more productive? Part of it is, Will he be utilized in a, in a role that will allow him to do that? You know, kind of like we would talk about the, the weird, you know, one of the mysteries last week was, you know, they were getting Henning the ball early and letting him make plays that then they threw him like three intermediate routes only against yeah. Indiana. You know, it's like, there's just been a weird inconsistency, not just in the production level from certain players, but in like how it looks like they've been kind of used or, or at least when they've been getting, the opportunities to get the ball or so, or whatever. So yeah, I think Jackson's a good one though. On the defensive side of the ball, who's on the spot? Oh boy. I mean, this is another one. Um, I'm going to go with Quiddy pay just because, you know, we talked about this in the yesterday's pod briefly about how great he has been so far this year. I think, 
I don't know. I'd like to see him kind of take the game over a little bit. And I know Wisconsin always has an amazing offensive front and he's going to attract even more attention than he normally would because of Aiden Hutchinson no longer mm-hmm. being available. But I actually think that's sort of where I think he can, again, taking over a game doesn't mean he needs to get four sacks or something like that. It's really, it's his ability so far this year is going to attract more attention to where he's going to be the player I watch. Not necessarily, like I said, because of what we'll see from the raw numbers, but got to think whoever's on the other side, whether it's Upshaw or whoever is going to have one-on-one all day, all day long. Guys in the middle, one-on-one, you know, because that was the benefit of having Hutchinson on the other side. It was a pick your poison. And we talked a lot about how the edge was doing good work. Yeah, they weren't quite getting there, but they were doing good enough work, but the middle was doing nothing to collapse that pocket at all. And at least not even a quarterback hurry, but to like make him work or make him think before they step into some of these deep throws. So it'll be fascinating regardless of who Wisconsin's quarterback is, if they just kind of adopt the same strategy as everybody else, you know, would be a pretty, to me, it'd be a pretty almost insulting at this point if teams are just taking the exact same game plan and just quick drop, throw it up, see what happens. You know, I mean, it's got to get to a point where Michigan says enough is enough, but I do think that Quiddy can do, can attract some more attention to allow some one-on-one opportunities for these other guys. Uh, but again, you know, the interior has not shown that they went up because they've been getting one-on-one battles and they haven't done anything with them yet. So, you know, I'm just, I'm excited to see what also what Quiddy does against a really good offensive front too. Cause to be fair. And again, he's been awesome. Like there's no denying that at all. Um, whether it's a deep, like subpar offensive lines that he's taken on so far or not, he's still been really, really good interested, maybe even just more for his continued draft stock, which looks like it's rising by the day. Uh, interested to see how he does against whoever he's matched up against. It's Van Lannan would probably be the guy. I assume that he'll be matched up against, right? Is Van Lannan left or right? He's left. Okay. So, It'll be interesting to see, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Quiddy. I mean, again, there's a lot of guys you could pick defensively right now, but I'm going to go with him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that pick. Um, I also think Taylor Upshaw, who uh, even though the was the first guy off the bench, the way Michigan has talked about that spot this week, they've mentioned Taylor Upshaw first. They, um, you know, have made Taylor Upshaw more available to the media. Wonder if he's lining up for a starting nod. Uh, I also just think he's, he's capable of having a, a solid game. If it weren't Wisconsin, I would maybe be thinking uh, he could produce in the backfield. I'm going to go with uh, Josh Ross. Yeah, He's a player. I, th- I think he's second on the team in tackles. Um, pretty similar story with Josh Ross as it has been the last two seasons, I guess, where he he's racking up tackles. I think he's, largely solid against the run. I know he had a couple plays that were posted on social media um, where he, he just was a step behind or went, went, took the wrong angle, but largely solid against the run, but probably needs to do more in the passing game. I think, uh, I think Indiana started to, I mean, they, they certainly were able to throw all over the place as they threw for 342 yards, but um, you know, seemed like they were really comfortable throwing over the middle of the field. Got to think Wisconsin, especially if they're not, if it's not Mertz, I got to think Wisconsin's going to have a similar approach and, and they, they can line up with two tight ends. They have the personnel for that. Um, You know, whether Ross ends up covering either of them, that's, that's a different discussion, but I think this is a big game for him. Plus, you know, you know me, I love the narratives part of this. I, his season ended at Wisconsin last year you know, with the injury. So this is a, I don't know if he's like mad at Wisconsin about it, but this is a, I'm sure this is a game that he kind of had circled on his calendar during the off season. So can he, can he bring a little extra oomph Michigan? He is a defensive captain. Michigan is 
down a defensive captain? Does he become a bit more of a vocal leader as well? Uh, so those are maybe some of those are off field, but those are kind of the storylines I'm looking at with Josh Ross. Has not played up to his caliber so far this season, actually. I think he's been, and again, not a, it's, it's more so that I think he's capable of playing better. I just, I think he's been somewhat of a disappointment so far this year, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that's another spot where maybe Michigan didn't need to, I think Don Brown said in May, he thinks they're the best inside linebacker duo in the country. <laughs> it's okay to say not that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, right. And we, you're allowed to, you're allowed that. to be like, Oh, he's still got some work to do. Um, anyway, I do wonder if that talk like gets, I don't know. It's just, it is an interesting little thing though. But I mean, that's been, that's been again, far from the case. So right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next topic thing. Michigan should be most worried about Steve. Do you have one ready? Yeah. Um, I think, I think Michigan should be most worried about a repeat again, kind of actually sort of alluded to it already. Wisconsin, like, again, I'm, I'm actually, let's just assume and I'm not, it's nothing's been decided yet, but the article wrote about Mertz written about Mertz earlier, just did not make it seem like the chances were that optimal as far as him playing on Saturday. Right. At the very least he's questionable. Let's assume it's a third or fourth string guy. If they come out and just do the same thing and find any success with it, you know, again, Wisconsin has a good enough offensive line to where they, they, might be able to run the football up the middle against Michigan. You talk about Ross, talk about McGrone, maybe needing to play a little bit better. I thought McGrone was better against Indiana, but, um, you know, that's what, I mean, that's what I'm worried about at this point. I mean, you could almost say this every week until Michigan has some <laughs> semblance of stopping it. Right. So it, it's, it's really going to be the same two question marks in my opinion It's going to be, how does the interior line hold up? Can they get, anything to make a court to not let a quarterback be able to step up in a pocket and make a throw. And will the corners, you know, can they make a couple plays? Will Michigan do something to help them out? Like how, you know, how are they going to go about that? So, I mean, that's mine. It's, it's kind of easy. It's cliche at this point, but you know, teams are like there. That's, that's all they're doing. You know, Indiana did a lot of it last Saturday. Now Indiana also had a lot of, opportunities created by just having a pocket to throw into and Michigan, you know, maybe another concern is if they play zone at the poor level that they did last Saturday. So like we said, after the, in the recap of the Indiana game, like be careful what you wish for. I mean, there were too many easy dump offs and check throws for Indiana because there was nobody near the back or whoever, you know, when they were, when they went into some zone. So, uh, yeah, I think it's the word. The concern is that it's more of the same old. Yep, that's a good one. I'm actually going to go with the other side of the ball. I think the the biggest concern for Michigan is that um, Wisconsin's defense. I mean, they're not going to be they're not down to their fourth string, and it was a pretty darn good defense last year. Now they lost a couple linebackers to the NFL draft, but. They returned their entire secondary, I believe, their entire defensive line. And I remember when I did the position group previews before the season began, I was surprised. I was like, hey, Wisconsin might be right up there with Ohio State in terms of defenses Michigan will face this season. Um, had them ahead of Penn State, had them ahead of Michigan State. Really, everyone but Ohio State, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, and so, um, and Ohio State's defense is exceptional it's, itself. I mean, that's you know, this Wisconsin defense strikes me as a um, as a top five, top ten unit, and so that's that's good for Michigan that they might not be facing the first or second string quarterback or even third string potentially. They probably still need to score twenty points to win. 
And I just, I just don't know if they're going to be able to. And what, what we've seen from the run game, I feel like the past game, you know, Wisconsin has a lot of experience. They have a junior, fifth-year senior, fifth-year senior, fifth-year senior in their secondary. At linebacker, Leo Chanel is the one underclassman uh, there. Everyone else has been around and played several years up front. Keanu Benton actually looked really good at nose tackle last season as a true freshman. But other than that, it's fifth-year senior, fifth-year senior, redshirt junior. I mean, it's just a veteran experience group. They're not going to be, you know, Michigan. When Michigan overthinks, Wisconsin will be there for the play. Now, if Michigan is genuinely creative and produces offensively, maybe they can move the ball down the field. But it is very hard to, I mean, I don't know if you have as vivid of a memory of Michigan's first half against Wisconsin last year before the game was like effectively over. Michigan couldn't do much of anything. I think Ronnie Bell had that one big play. It was not, it's just very hard for me to, to kind of shake that when thinking about this season. And so, yeah, I think it's very, Michigan should be very worried about its ability to move the football because this defense is better than Indiana, better than Michigan state. And I don't, I don't know that, um, I don't know that Michigan did particularly well in those games. So something to keep in mind, Brandon Peters actually did all right running the football, but it's hard to tell how much of that was Wisconsin had a 28 to seven halftime lead. How much of it was something else. This defense is legit. I mean, maybe maybe it ends up being better than Ohio State's defense. I just, I don't know yet. But it's, to me, that's a group of weird to say for a Wisconsin team. Five, six guys who I think could be drafted at some point. Yeah, Rashad Wild Goose is really, really, really good. You know, Michigan, whoever he's locked up on, a Michigan for the receiving side of things is going to have their, their hands full because he's really, really good. Uh, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like um, Isaiah Loudermilk, defensive end. Yep. And then, uh, oh, actually, <laughs> you'll enjoy this. <laughs> they're, um, they're outside linebacker, the guy who kind of plays a little bit more end style, Isaiah Green May. Neither of them spells Isaiah the way I have ever seen before. Um, I didn't see it. I'm just seeing that now. And they actually so- all- they have a regular Isaiah also, and Isaiah Mullins <laughs> is a backup who actually is Louder Milk's backup. Okay, so there's a chance that there could be three Isaiahs on the field, <laughs> and all their names could be spelled differently. <laughs> Pretty cool. Um, I'll be rooting. That's something to watch for. I'll yeah. be rooting for that. Yeah. But no, I mean <laughs> Isaiah Green May is like a six-six pass rushing Sam linebacker type. Um, Louder Milk's done pretty well in his career. Yeah, I think it's it's a very good defense. On the other side, um, Steve, something Michigan can feel good about. Anything you're seeing in this matchup that impresses you or makes you think, hey, Michigan, Michigan might might have some opportunities here. Got to think they can slow Wisconsin's running game down a little bit, make them one-dimensional. You know, I mean, and that's part of that's due to the potential that their starter might not play. But again, we're look, we're trying to find positives here. So, um, but Groshek doesn't really do much for me as a feature back. Um, He's not a game breaker, right? Yeah, I mean, he is classic. I guess it is classic Wisconsin, though. I suppose Wisconsin probably thinks they can come in and, and gain four or five a pop there, get it to second and short maybe open things up a little bit after that. I suspect that's their game plan is something along those lines, especially if they won't have Mertz. So, you know, cause yeah, I, I feel like I, I like, I really like Danny Davis at receiver. I think he's a really good player. And we talked about Ferguson a little bit earlier. Like they have a couple pretty legit passing threats. You know, you talk about Josh Ross struggling in coverage. Uh, we know all about the cornerbacks. You know, so those are some potential mismatches there for Wisconsin. I think Michigan, you know, de- again, d- this fully depends on who's starting at quarterback, but, you know, could be a situation where they may be able to try to make Wisconsin one-dimensional 
And so, again, a little bit of an onus on that interior, that defensive line to do so, but I suspect that's Michigan's best shot. You know, uh, it won't be easy if it's, if it is Mertz, because, you know, I think Mertz can do both. I mean, Mertz doesn't have to admit he's, he looked at least again, this is only one game and Illinois defense has not looked good all year. I mean, they just got shellacked by Minnesota on Saturday, the same Minnesota team that Michigan ran out of the building. Mm -hmm. Um, But yep. Mertz looks like a guy that can make the money throws and, Go back to recruiting. You know, Michigan recruited um, Cade McNamara in nineteen. If I were an argument, if I were a betting person, I would say that Michigan thought that Graham Mertz was the best quarterback in that class. So, very, very good player. You know, and um, yeah. So, I suppose I, I just think Michigan's defense. I, I I guess maybe I'd rephrase it a little bit to say I just don't think they can play any worse. And I think that they, I think there's, I think <laughs> that sounds really bad. There you go. That's what Michigan can feel good about. <laughs> well, I think, I, I think that the, I guess the talent is there for them to play a lot better than they have so far, I guess. Maybe I that's a better way to put it is, you know, and, and so, you know, you mentioned last episode about Urban Meyer's comments about Michigan's defensive backs and, and it being like a fundamentals type deal. To me, that screams that it's maybe more mental than it is physical right now with some of these guys. And, and I think that, you know, gray green, maybe even Ross, maybe Jeter in the middle. I mean, maybe the, the game might be more mental for some of these guys right now, particularly when they're seeing, you know, the struggles and, and, and yielding big plays and yielding yardage and stuff, you know? So, you know, I, I just think Michigan, the defense is capable of playing at a much higher level than they have so far. I think that's something where, you know, the more the longer this goes on, the more bigger, the better chance they have of actually putting it together. Got to think they're hungry. It was one thing to lose the, you know, to a rival in a game that what I mean again, it it it's still a horrible loss because we know now that Michigan State is just not good. But to have back to back bad defensive performances, you got to think, you know, that they're hungrier. I guess I don't know. Maybe they're not. Who knows? It's just it is <laughs> yeah. hard to find. It's hard to find positives. I guess. No, I, I actually agree with you. I think Wisconsin, it's easy to just say, oh, yeah, it's traditional Wisconsin. They'll run the football well. They didn't look that great against Illinois. I mean, I don't think that they have a back nearly to Jonathan Taylor's capabilities. They don't have a back nearly to Melvin Gordon's capabilities. Uh, was it Monty Ball? You know, they've had some like legit NFL running back prospects come through Wisconsin lately. I don't think they have one right now. If they do, they didn't play against Illinois. Um, you know, Groshek gotta think Wisconsin loves him. I mean, he's been around, I think he was part of their twenty fifteen class. I, I'd have to double check. Um zero star recruit, all muscle. Um, you know pretty good playmaker, but, but yeah, looking back against Illinois, uh, Groshek 70 yards on 5.4 yards per carry. Nakia Watson, 62 yards on 3.3 yards per carry. Isaac Garendo, 36 yards on 11 carries, 3.3 yards per carry. That's as bad as Illinois is. You would think that they'd be able to, and, and given how lopsided the score was, I mean, those three had, um, 43 carries and, just over 150 yards to show for it. So maybe it looks way better against Michigan. Certainly not a guarantee, but I actually, I see where you're coming from, where I think Michigan can uh, kind of do what Indiana did to Michigan, where they can shut down the run or at least limit it, limit the capabilities. And then, uh, you know, force a few more passing situations where they can defend a little bit better. You know, it's not, you're not being caught off guard when it's third and 12 and they throw it downfield. Now, Michigan's still been burned on some of those plays, but I you could see where you could see a path for Michigan's defense to to fare better. I'm gonna go with I think this is a game that Joe Milton can do pretty well in. You know, Brandon Peters actually ran for more yards than anybody on Wisconsin's team. I think a lot of them were on one carry, so that is a caveat. But I think I don't know if Wisconsin 
has a ton of practice against quarterbacks who can make plays with their feet. I, I, you know, Joe Milton is definitely, I mean, his strength is, is passing and throwing the ball, but he's also really good. He can still throw when he's on the move. Uh, He can throw off his back foot on the run. And then I think we saw against uh, Minnesota and Michigan state, he can get you, he can move the chains as a runner. I don't think he's going to ever be mistaken for a dual threat QB, but he can, he's athletic enough to make plays. And I, and I, part of me wonders if that's something that um, was missing last season when Michigan played Wisconsin, because Patterson was still kind of recovering from that torn oblique or, or whatever the oblique injury was. Um, I think Milton can add a little bit of an element. That's something that maybe, you know, I just mentioned Michigan should be very worried about Wisconsin's defense, but if, if that's, if Milton's able to run for say 70, 80 yards, well, that can kind of open things up that, that keeps Wisconsin's defense on its heels a little bit. Yeah, I agree. All right. Nothing when, nothing for me oh. to, yeah, sorry, nothing for me to add there. I wasn't sure. If okay. You elaborate there or not, but no, no, it's all good. Um, do you have a hunch? We love that. We've gotten people like that question from what I can gather. Steve, you have a hunch that's blank as it pertains to this weekend's matchup. Uh, I, you talked a little bit about Milton there. I have a hunch that Milton is going to make some bigger, more consistently make some big plays in this game. I, I, we talked about it last week. I'm not as down on Milton so far as a lot of people seem to be. I think he has shown some real, real flashes, you know, and, and our thing before the season was um, there's going to be ups and downs with more ups than downs. And I think that really has been accurate so far. You know, that interception he made again, the first interception he threw against Indiana was a very, really, really bad throw. Um he made a really bad throw against Michigan state that should have been intercepted. That wasn't, but by and large, I don't, I think what's most encouraging is that his decision-making has mostly been pretty good. It's really been about kind of honing it in and the accuracy, which, you know, again, we've talked about, he had accuracy issues in high school, but even then, you know, we talked about Michigan state should have completed 75% of his passes in that game, if not for the drops. So I think talk about a player I think is going to exponentially get better as the season goes on. I actually think Milton might be that guy, you know, and so Saturday, another opportunity to do that. Michigan missed on a few good. Now I know you mentioned he struggled early against Indiana, but even then Michigan had guys that were open. He missed them. I think Cornelius Johnson on the very first drive of the game, mm-hmm. you know, had him down the edge for probably about 25, 30 yard play ironically put too much touch on it which is yeah not really been his issue so far uh but you know i think i think i think you're gonna see him hit a couple more of those than than he has the last couple weeks i just i still kind of have belief i have i actually am not still kind of I, I have belief and faith that i think that milton is still going to really be a really good quarterback for michigan and i actually think he's he has not been one of the top six or seven reasons why uh, that they've they're one and two right now. I mean, I don't think he's anywhere near the top as far as factors for this for this start so far. So uh, I think he hits. I have a hunch. I think he's going to hit on a couple more plays this week and uh, give Michigan a better opportunity to put some more points on the board. Yeah, I kind of touched on a few hunches. Um, so I'm trying to come up with another one. I actually think there was a little bit more than what was made. I, I think. Jim Harbaugh's Monday press conference was obviously the big stories were how he responded to contract extension, NFL rumor questions, and then Aiden Hutchinson and a little bit of Jalen Mayfield, Ryan Hayes. I think there was something in there that, that admittedly I might've glossed over initially because I just kind of interpreted it as coach speak. I think we're going to, I have a hunch that we're going to see a few of Michigan's underclassmen play expanded roles in this game you know jim jim for context he said uh that they're going to make a few personnel changes they're going to make a few tweaks you know other younger players are going to get a chance to to have their moment i think he said the ceiling's off in terms of these um 
you know, the starters and then the best you can be is the next best backup. I have a hunch that we're going to be introduced to a few new Michigan players. Again, these hunches are not supposed to be merited in stats or facts or evidence, but just kind of something that we're feeling feels like this. I, I, it's a big game. It's very much an important game for Michigan to win uh, in order to keep kind of the program stable, so to speak. Cause I, as you can imagine, I think two and two with wins over Wisconsin, and Minnesota, um, which would technically be two ranked wins, looks way better than one and three. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, they might not go all in on the underclassmen. Just have a hunch that a few guys are going to get expanded roles. I think the offensive skill players, uh, we've kind of seen them a little bit. You know, Cornelius Johnson keeps ascending. I feel like on the defensive side of the ball, not a ton of underclassmen just yet, but you know, maybe Jalen Perry gets an expanded role. Uh, you know, maybe Anthony Solomon gets an expanded role. So, uh, you know, maybe on the defensive line, I don't know if who, who it would be. Um, I guess everyone's played that, that I can think of, but just something, something I'm keeping an eye on. Anything Kalel, to add there? Kalel, Kalel Mullings is another guy. So, okay. I was going to mention him, but when McGrone went down, it was Adam Shibley that came in. Right. He's still a guy that you think could see an expanded role in this context. I think if there are young guys defensively that are going to see more PT on actual defense, I think he's among the guys to keep an eye on. And I would probably say the same with Mohan as well. Um, although Michael Barrett has not really been the problem so far. So, um, but no, Mullings, absolutely. Biggest thing to look at, he has appeared in all three games so far this year on special teams. We always go back to the guys that play on special teams heavily as guys that that we always believe, at least on history, are the ones that are closest to actually seeing real playing time. Plus, Mullings is another guy that we'd heard a lot of good things about too. So um, same with Hill Green, though, actually. I mean, the linebacking situation – you know, it feels secure. I think Ross, obviously, maybe one that we want to see how he plays the next couple of weeks, but, you know, could be more, be more mix and match there, depending, right? So, um, but yeah, Mullings is a guy, sounds like at least so far, they've, they've been really happy with what they've gotten out of him. Yep, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. We'll have our over-unders and season, or not season prediction, game prediction. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, and we're back. Thanks so much for waiting. Uh, yeah, no, sorry, I forgot to also mention. I agree with your comments on the linebackers. I just wasn't sure because I, I think Don Brown really likes... Ross McGrone Barrett. I think he really likes that trio. Um, relatively experienced. But yeah, I think especially in specialty situations, like an obvious passing down or obvious run rushing down. I wonder if they expand things. Plus, you know, they probably will implement the Sam linebacker position a little bit more with Aiden Hutchinson uh, out for this game and probably all the future games. Anyway, our over-unders, uh, these come from our good friend via Azul or Neil on Twitter. 
Uh, last week I beat you six to three out of 12. So neither of us did particularly well. And so far in the season, we are now tied 19 out of 39. So take that, keep that in mind. I wouldn't take these picks to the bank necessarily. Got about a 50, 50 shot, but regardless, (laughs) it's a fun way to preview the game, preview the matchup. Uh, looking at on the offense, 269.5 yards passing for Joe Milton. So that seems really high. He's beat it pretty soundly the past couple weeks. Does he get there? I'll say over. Think about this way. Think about this way. You know, talk about how good we think Wisconsin's defense is going to be. What proof do we have that Michigan's going to be able to run the football effectively? Right. So true. Could be another game where Michigan is going to have to rely off the pass to even open up any kind of running game. So I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, I am actually going to go under. I I agree with all of your logic, and perhaps I am overselling this defense. You can come yell at me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Michigan gets 270 yards of offense, to be totally honest with you. And so um, I'm going to take the under. I agree, though. I think Michigan's going to be in a position where it kind of has to pass. But one thing to keep in mind, last season, Shea Patterson had the best games of his career against Indiana and Michigan state. And if I'm not mistaken, they were in back-to-back weeks in the exact same stadiums last year against Wisconsin. He even, even in a game where he was going to, they were down 28, nothing at halftime. So he had to throw basically the whole time only threw for 219 yards. So I'm going to take the under Uh, Milton's going to have to prove me wrong on that one. Next one, highest number of carries for a single Michigan running back is 10.5. I don't think they've gotten close to that number. I assume, yes, RB, so not Joe Milton. Does any running back for Michigan get 11 carries or more? Kind of goes back to the handling of the running back rotation. Um, yeah, just because it's they haven't really even approached that yet, I'm still going to go under. Also because not convinced they're going to even run the ball well enough to give one guy 11 carries to begin with. Yeah. You got to get first downs to get that many carries. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Plus you have to be running the football. All right. Next one. You didn't choose. Oh, sorry. I'm also taking under. Yeah. No, I'm good. Good call. Good call. No, I think, I think, yeah, if they had done it once this year, I might be inclined to think differently, but here's a good way to tell. If I told you a Michigan running back was going to carry the ball 11 times on Saturday, who would you think the back would be? I mean, you might you might guess Haskins. You have no definite answer. So that probably means one will not get 11 carries. Right. Right. Uh, six and a half sacks allowed plus penalties on the offensive line. So we might have to clarify it will be sacks allowed for the team because it, it's a little subjective to say, oh, this one was on the running back, this one was on the O-lineman. So sacks allowed by the team plus O-line penalties. Six and a half, over or under? Jeez. <laughs> um, What's so funny? I just, I want to, I'm probably going to take the over. Uh, how many penalties they have last Saturday? Four, five? On the offensive line? Three? Yeah, it might have been three or four. Four? Yeah, I'm going to take the over. I will take the over as well, I think. Um, I don't know if Wisconsin's going to get a ton of sacks, but it's pretty. I feel like it's pretty easy to get up to seven. 99.5 combined receiving yards from Ronnie Bell and Cornelius Johnson. I'll say over. Took it, took Milton for the over on the yards. I think those two guys. Yeah, they got to, th- he's got to throw it to somebody, right? Yeah, I'll take the over. I'm going to take the over as well, even though I took the under on Milton's passing yards. I think, I think those two really impressed me. I know I said Giles Jackson was my player to watch. I expect those two to be the leading receivers, though. Last week, um, they had 132, no, 131, 231, excuse me. 231 receiving yards on 14 targets. So not a great game for Michigan's offense, but a pretty good game for both of them. So I'm going to take the over. 
two and a half offensive plays of at least 30 yards. Big plays have been a bit of a problem for Michigan on both sides of the ball. Do they get three 30-yard plays on Saturday? I'm going to take the under. I don't think they do. Um, yeah, I, I think they get, I think they do. I think last week I'm not, I'll have to pull it up real quick to see how many they got, but see I junk, think, junk time is always like the yeah potential equalizer. That's where it's so hard on some of these is like, I'm in, in the meat of the game. I have a hard time believing they're going to get 30 yards of, or three yards of, or three plays of 30 yards or more, but you know, all it takes is one, you know, and, and garbage time to maybe put it over the top. So I'm still well, taking it under, though. And it's so um, – the 30 is a tough one because if it was 20, you could set it at four and a half, and I'd say over. But 30, you kind of have to be – it's a situational thing. So last week, Michigan had um, two plays of 30 yards or more, but they had one, two, three, four – five, six, seven, eight, nine plays of 20 yards or more. So nine to two. I mean, that's like literally they were nine, nine of 20 yards and two of 30 yards or more. That's uh, quite a drop off. So it's a little situational. I'm going to say over though. Next one, four and a half drives into the red zone. I always love that stat. I always love long sustained drives as a measure of how good an offense is doing. I actually, Points is what matters the most in, in the grand scheme of things. But if I'm predicting how an offense will look all season, I'm looking at those long sustained drives. Do they get, do they get five drives into the red zone? I'll take the over, but barely. So it's going to be right at five. You think? I think so. It could be, you know, doesn't always have to be long sustained drives. Could be a couple special teams plays could be just winning the field position battle too. You know, I mean, um, few different ways you can do it. it doesn't always have to be a 70 you know 60 70 yard trip to get there um well it's, couldn't literally can't be 70 yard trip to get to the red zone but um you know it doesn't always have to be a long sustained deal i think maybe michigan makes a couple special teams plays gets in the red zone five times so last week michigan only had three drives that even went past indiana's 40 yard line I think Wisconsin's defense is a lot better than Indiana's. So I'm going to take the under. I don't know if it'll be three. I could definitely see it being four. I think this is going to be a game where Michigan is going to have to capitalize on every offensive break that it gets. I just think Wisconsin's defense is that good. All right, next up on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, he knows. Via knows I hate these ones. One and a half sacks plus tackles for loss for Quiddy Pay. I, I think there'd be too much focus on him. So I'm going to go with the under. That doesn't mean I don't think he's going to play a great game and be effective. I just, Wisconsin's going to put all their attention into stopping him, right? I mean, I would think so. You know, that's what I mean. I don't know what offensive line or offensive unit wouldn't do that right now. He's by <laughs> far their best player. So right. I'll say under, but again, I don't mean that to mean that he's not going to be effective. I just don't know if he's going to get two sacks. Yeah, I'm going to take in the under, partly because I have a rule where if it's a, if it's an individual sack over under, I just always take the under from now on. I feel like, I mean, even the best pass rushers in the country – I mean, Chase Young was amazing. Didn't have a sack in he, either of, of Ohio State's final two games. And he was as good as it gets. So I think you can shut down one individual player for one game. Three and a half runs of greater than 10 yards allowed by Michigan's defense over or under. Oh, boy. Hmm. Well, last week, Indiana had three such runs. I'm going to say over. Okay. I think Wisconsin's got a better offensive line than Indiana does. True. And I think I think they'll break off a handful of double yardage runs. I cannot believe I'm saying this because of how Wisconsin's looked for my entire lifetime. I'm going to take the under. I think Michigan... Granted, they haven't faced 
elite running backs the past couple weeks. I think they've, I think they've done a decent job of slowing down. I don't know if I should say slowing down of not being as abysmal in run defense as they are in pass defense. And, and I mentioned, I don't think Wisconsin's running backs are, I don't know if any of them are viewed in my eyes as, as big play threats. I, I really um, hope that doesn't, that I'm not hearing on Sunday about how stupid I am for saying that, but uh, I'm actually going to take the under on it. Next one, Wisconsin's quarterbacks have 63.5 completion percentage. So via doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Does do Wisconsin's quarterbacks complete at least 63.5% of their passes? Okay. I'm, and again, there's no inside info on this necessarily. I'm predicting that Mertz is not going to play. So I'm going to take the under. Actually, I, I think Michigan's defense will step up against a third or fourth string quarterback. So I'm going to take the under. Um, next one, or I'm sorry, oop, I got to pick. I'm going to take the over. I, I don't think Wisconsin will be able to throw the ball like they did against Illinois. I do think they can complete at least 64% of their passes. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be the same. It'll be a lot of frustrating kind of dink and dunk, you know, get rid of the ball really quickly type plays with the occasional deep shot. I think they've, they've got a great tight end. And my guess is if it isn't Mertz, it's a quarterback who's coached to get rid of the ball quickly and let's lower the degree of difficulty on these passing routes. You know, focus on moving the chains, not on exploiting Michigan's secondary. Um, next one, three and a half pass interference penalties. He did not specify defensive holding. I, I guess I will stick to just pass interference then over or under. Because of that caveat, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the under. Yeah, I am too. I think um, that's a lot. I mean, if Michigan's really committing four pass interference penalties in in one game again, uh, that's that's just you know how some things are just like that's too baffling to to seem accurate. That's that's right. where I'm at with that. Uh, Michigan has 1.5 more punts than Wisconsin. Boy, I think I think they're both going to punt a lot. A little sneak preview to the score, but 1.5 more punts Michigan has than Wisconsin. Nothing really. I mean, I don't know how long we can talk about punting. I just, but I think over. I'm going to say over because I know Wisconsin with that offensive line, I know they love to go for it. I think they went for it on fourth down twice in the first quarter last year against Michigan. A bit of a backbreaking element as well. Yeah, I think, I think Wisconsin would be more inclined to go for it on fourth down than Michigan will. Uh, Michigan has Brad Robbins quietly an amazing game, a real field flipping game for that, for that aspect of Michigan's otherwise not so great game. Yeah, I, th- I think they'd be more inclined to punt. And then finally, Steve, your final summary of this matchup. Any thoughts that you have not brought up already and your score prediction? No, I just, like I said, if, if Michigan is facing a third or fourth string quarterback in this game and they don't win, then it might be time to sound some alarms. I mean, it's just, I know Wisconsin's really good. Uh, and they're, across the field, across the board, you know, it's like you remove or, you know, third string quarterback, but they still have a lot of really talented players around him, but you know, it's still supposed to be Michigan football here, you know, and, and I, this is not Ohio state running Cardale Jones out there as a third string quarterback. Right. I mean, this is a totally different situation. Uh, Chase Wolford, Danny Vandenboom are not guys that should let alone that Wisconsin hasn't played a game. You know, and this will be what three weeks since they've played a game. You could argue they'll be fresh, but you could also argue that they'll be really rusty. You know, they've only played one game against a team that didn't play any defense. So, um, my prediction of who wins this game is it's solely revolves around whether or not Graham Mertz plays. If Mertz plays, I, I think Wisconsin 
does enough to win. If if not, I actually I do think Michigan will win this game. It's just hard to fathom them getting beat by a third or fourth string quarterback and what we think would be a it's a by Wisconsin standards is a pretty mediocre run outfit. I mean, they do have a True. good they do have a good front that should create some opportunities for their guys to run the ball, but man, it's not as if you know, they have such a good run game that they can that they can win this game by just running the ball every, you know, if this has been last year's team and they had a, a Chase Wolf, but they had a Jonathan Taylor type player running the football, then then maybe this would be a lot different. But there's nobody even remotely close to as good as Jonathan Taylor is in that backfield. So, you know, it does. To me, it just depends on if Mertz plays or not. Score-wise, I don't know. It'll be low, probably like – I mean, I guess I'll just do both. If Mertz plays, I think Wisconsin wins like 28 to like 17 – for some reason, I'm going to pick Michigan to score more points than that if Mertz doesn't play, which makes no sense. Hey, that's but... that's legit. I mean, it's sustained drives, eating up yeah, clock. True. The f- yeah. I'll say if if it's if no Mertz, then I say Michigan wins 24 to 17. I think the uh, other team scores seven. The losing team is scoring 17 points. Okay. I agree with a lot of what you said. I actually am going to predict Wisconsin to win regardless of quarterback kind of goes against what's going on in my head just a little bit kind of calculating how I think the game will go. I just I don't know. I think Jim Leonard, Wisconsin's defensive coordinator, I think he's a mastermind. I think he's someone that again, I think Wisconsin's offense will be not so great. I'm not expecting them to light the world on fire. I don't think this is going to be a game where Michigan gets completely dunked on or anything like that. Um, but I do think it will be very hard for Michigan unless this offensive line has something up its sleeve that none of us saw coming. I think this is going to be a game where it's very hard for Michigan to move the football. So I, if, if Mertz plays, I have 31, 17 Wisconsin. If he doesn't play kind of weird to do a 11 point swing based on one player, but I would say Michigan will lose 20 to 17 in a closer game. Um, although I think if you want to hear about the significance of this game, go back and listen to our last episode. Cause we talk about potential ramifications, what things look like moving forward. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you enjoyed our predictions. Hope you learned a few things about this matchup. We'll see you next time. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.